2020, we're being faced with one of the most historic votes that we will ever encounter in the history of the United States. And I can only imagine if I was still part of the group known as Jehovah's Witnesses, my vote would not count in this election because I would still be thinking that it's wrong, that I'm compromising my neutrality. You're listening to The Critical Thought, where we challenge our listeners to use critical thinking when examining the teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses. Hi, this is Daniel. Hi, this is JT. And the purpose of this video is to talk to you about why the Jehovah's Witnesses vilify the vote. Okay, JT, let's talk. Okay, man, let's go for it. Well, here we go in a virtual reality. Yeah, why, no. did the, why did the Jehovah's Witnesses kind of vilify the vote? Well, basically, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses vilify voting because of how they view governments. Uh, they view governments as all controlled by Satan the devil. And therefore, if you're voting for any of the governments around the world, you're voting for Satan the devil. That's basically the bottom line. Well, talk to me then about what? What is the scriptural basis for this position? Well, well, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they take the scripture that references being no part of the world. And one of the things about that is, it revolves around how you view what is actually the world. Well, tell me a little bit more now, because when I look at scripture, right, we can find cases where Jesus is essentially saying to his disciples, hey, render to Caesar what Caesar, right? We see Jehovah's Witnesses going to public schools. Jehovah's Witnesses pay taxes. So I don't understand this, what appears to be inconsistency about being in the world, not being in the world. Come on, bro. Talk to me. Well, as with many things when it comes to Jehovah's Witnesses, they get to pick and choose and so, so. And as a result, they get to set what the criteria is. Uh, one of the most interesting things about how they present this is they always present this in the context that people are looking to the government for salvation, basically. Now, basically what they did, and they do this all the time, uh, that was the issue they had with their types and anti-types. They had take things that are taken literally out of antiquities, two, three thousand years ago, and they will attempt to apply it to a contemporary time in which we live in. And as a result, many times, their teachings end up falling off the rails. For example, years ago, governors, people who ran countries or nations, they were literally viewed as God or they were viewed as being put into their position by God. So that was the way it was in years ago. Today, you will rarely find any nation. There's literally just a handful of nations who actually declare themselves as a theocracy. In fact, if you were to ask your next door neighbor, if you were to ask your coworker, if you would ask even the person who is running for office, local government, city government, town council, if you were to ask them, do you consider yourself a substitution for the kingdom of God? They would look at you and think that you're absolutely crazy. <laughs> if you were to ask any of your uh, coworkers the same question, ask people, are you voting because you consider the city council member is going to provide salvation? And you will get the same look and the same stare. And as you go up the scale in terms of local government, county government, state government, and federal government, 
you will not find people living in the 21st century who are walking around talking about they're looking for a government to provide them with salvation. And that's what makes the Watchtower so dangerous because they get to take and literally make up their own narrative. Now, years ago, when people consider themselves gods, that may have been the case, but today that's not the case. In fact, probably one of the, the last really known individuals who considered himself a god when he was running, his nation is out of the nation of Japan. And as you know, and most people know in history, historians will tell us, and we saw it ourselves through history and so forth, that at the end of the World War II, they did not put their emperor of Japan to death. They said, no, 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 we're not going to do that, because then you become a martyr to your people. Instead, they made a decision that we're going to do something that is worse than that, according to your own cultural views. We're going to publicly humiliate you. And you know what they did? They, they literally made him make a public declaration that he was not a god. He had to go out in front of his own people and admit, uh, yeah, I'm just a regular man. I, I put one pants leg on like the rest of y'all guys. I, I know I've been telling y'all I'm a god. And so that's, that was it. And so in today's 21st century, people don't look to the government for salvation. When we vote for a local city council member, we're looking for him to make sure that the trash is picked up. We want to make sure that the snow is clean from the street. That's the reason. And this interesting because it's always the watchtower who sets the narrative. In other words, who's making the declaration that they are the substitute for God's kingdom? There's nobody making that declaration. You ask anybody who's in political office, you ask anybody who's voting for someone in political office. So where did this idea come from that these people are looking for the government, whether local, state, or federal, to be the salvation as if it's God's kingdom. They are not. The only place you hear that is from the Watchtower. Once again, the Watchtower sets the narrative, and that's the problem. JT, outstanding on the why and the what. You know, Mama used to say, there's a fine line between faith and folly. And it sounds like the Jehovah's Witnesses have crossed that line. Yeah, and, and we've seen this over and over in many of their teachings when you start taking them apart, asking critical thinking questions, you begin to see that they really don't hold water. Uh, they're trying to often to apply, as we mentioned before, they're trying to apply something of three or 4,000 years ago to a contemporary time in which we live today. And it's very, very difficult because life is not the same as it was two or 3,000 years ago. Well, JT, we cover why. And what? Let's now talk about how. how. How did you personally handle when you were in the organization as a leader? For instance, when Jesse Jackson back in the day was running for president or whomever the candidate was, did you squirm in your seat? Did you go do some homework? Did you push back against the system? Talk to us about how it affected you and how you related to it. You know, that's, that's a very good question. Um, interestingly, because of the way the indoctrination process works with Jehovah's Witnesses, they are literally able to make themselves void, as it were, of any concern about the events going around them. That's what they do on the surface. You see, a Jehovah's Witness is not supposed to have any opinion when it comes to politics. But that's not true. That's not true at all. Uh, you mentioned uh, when Jesse Jackson was running back in the 80s. 
I was at Bethel at the time, and my congregation was up in Harlem. So it was basically a predominantly black circuit. And I remember our circuit overseer. He gave a local needs part at the circuit assembly. And one of the things that he included was he talked about some of the comments some of the friends were making because Jesse Jackson was running. He said, you know, there's some brothers who are saying, hmm, about time a brother ran. And so the Jehovah's Witness is not allowed to even think, especially expressing how he feels. When I left the organization, I was still in contact with people who were still witnesses. And it was interesting that when Barack Obama was running as an African-American here in the United States, that there were Jehovah's Witnesses who wanted to talk about it, but they cannot do this publicly. They only can do it privately. And you have to be careful who you even say things around. When Barack Obama got elected, there were African-American brothers who were like, man, I never thought I would see that. Man, it's good to see a brother doing. And so you're like, you ain't supposed to be talking about this, but they want to. And that's what makes this organization so, so sad because you have grown people who have personal views, personal thoughts on what they see going on around them in politics. And because of their belief system, they're totally shut down. Right now, for example, here in the United States, we have an election coming up and there are witnesses who have opinions, but they know they better not let it be known, especially around certain people or else they'll be in trouble. And this is the type of freedom that you get once you leave this organization. You get the opportunity to have an opinion, to have a thought on what's going on around you. And so Jehovah's Witnesses have vilified the vote because that's how they have taught their members for so long. In fact, we had the opportunity to talk to a number of people before we did this uh, video. And they talked about a very common thing. Even when they left the organization, they just found it very difficult to understand that as a citizen, you have certain rights and certain responsibilities to your community. And voting is one of them. Growing up in the Jehovah's Witness organization, as a child, I understood or and believed that because this is what I was taught and this is part of the culture, though this is not what's in writing. Um, I believed that if I were to vote or get involved in any sort of politics, even student council or anything like that, that I would be going against Jehovah directly. Growing up as a witness, we didn't even discuss politics in our house. The only thing that I knew about politics is that there was this hideous creature involved that was seeking to devour us. So it was all based on fear. So by the time I turned 18, it was not even an option for me to vote. And it even took me years to actually feel comfortable as an adult to go out and vote. Growing up as one of Jehovah's Witnesses, I was trained that voting in political elections is wrong. I was taught that I should not put my trust in worldly governments. When I was elected class president by my peers in fifth grade, I knew I had to decline the position. Even after I turned 18 and was legally allowed to vote, I was still convinced that the practice was wrong. As a child, it was inculcated and instilled in me that voting was not allowed at all under any circumstances. Uh, we were not allowed to vote for a class president or secretary in school, and definitely uh, not allowed to vote when we became of age uh, for any of the political parties in the world. So JT, let me double click on the how you handled it back in the Jesse Jackson days, when you had different opportunities to vote. Did you talk it through off the record? Did you vote? Did you challenge the system? You know how I do, good looking, intelligent brother like you. Tell me about you. 
How did you handle the situation? Well, during the time, during the time I was a duffel. So it was a very simple thing to do. We discussed it among ourselves and we knew we had to do what every good Jehovah Witness knows. You just push it to the back and let it go. And that's one of the things that happens within this religion. So many issues that individuals want to discuss, want to talk about, want to expand on it, can't do it. And it ranges the entire range of, of, of human activities. Witnesses know, I can't talk about that. I can't say much about that. I got to be careful who I say something around. I'll get in trouble. That is the constant drumbeat that a Jehovah's Witness has. Because if a Jehovah's Witness is caught talking about politics, everybody knows the responsible, mature Jehovah's Witness is going to check you. And if you don't get in line, you're going to have problems. And so like most people, they fall in line and they do what they're told. And that's very sad. So, so again, a fine line between faith and folly, and it sounds like they've crossed the line. I'm hearing you say, JT, it's not even vilifying the vote. It's vilifying the talk about the vote. You can't even get your talk on, let alone your vote on. Am I hearing you correctly? Oh, absolutely. There's, there's no question about that. It's a conversation that you simply cannot have. And as I said before, if you have this conversation, you have to be selective who you're talking about. And, and so the, the point is, here are, here are grown people. We're talking about grown men and women, house note, tax note, water bill, gas bill, paying adults who are unable to express how they think and how they feel out of fear that they will be dealt with. And, and that's just the way this organization is. It's just the way this organization is. So if I'm an active witness right now, I've got a chance to vote for Kamala Harris, African-American woman. Uh, years ago, I had a chance to vote for President Obama, first president male. How should an active Jehovah's Witness be feeling and what should they be doing right now? How do they double click on this subject and make what's wrong right? Well, Unfortunate, there's really not much a Jehovah's Witness can do. In fact, just to make the point, when the Watchtower is asked, can Jehovah's Witnesses vote? The answer they give is very interesting. If you go back into some of the older magazines, you will see that the Watchtower was very bold. I mean, they just came straight out and said, we do not vote. But what they realized, it wasn't politically correct to say that. They also realized they ran into problems in countries around the world. It's very important to understand that when the Watchtower or Jehovah's Witnesses go into a country, they're viewed simply as an American company, an American religion. They're, they're viewed, in fact, in some cases, they're viewed as agents of the CIA. I mean, that's the way it's viewed in some countries. And so when you have a group that comes in and they have pamphlets that they're distributing to the citizens in that nation, telling them not to vote, we do not vote. That's what the Watchtower has always said, we do not vote. They realize that this is a group that we could have some problems with. And so as a result, the society with their legal department telling them you can't write it that way. You got to go back and change it. We need to be more politically correct. So what they do, and we've discussed this in other videos that dealt with how the Watchtower uses semantics 
or they use what's called theocratic strategy. They mislead people. They give people the wrong impression. Let me give you an example. If you go to the Jehovah's Witness website right now, online, and you look up, can Jehovah's Witnesses vote? What they will say is, it is an individual's choice. It is up to an individual's conscience. Now, the Watchtower understands that a person who is not a witness is going to walk away with an entirely different understanding. When a person hears, oh, that's up to his own, that's up to his conscience, that's, that's, up, that's a personal matter. They fully understand that this is a matter that a person can take, yes or no, without any concern, fear of obligation, of reprisal, or blowback. Everybody understands that. When someone says, well, yeah, it's a personal choice. What the Watchtower does, they present it as if someone just asked the question, what kind of car are you going to drive? You have to choose between a Chevy or a Ford. Well, that's up to the individual if you want to drive a Chevy or a Ford. And that's the way they present so many other things. They will call it an individual's choice. The part that they don't tell the governments and non-witnesses don't fully understand is that while the person can choose it, there are some serious ramifications behind it, some serious consequences. For that matter, the Jehovah's Witness could might as well say committing fornication is an individual conscious matter. Stealing is an individual conscience. They don't, they don't say that. They do not say that. They come out and say the Bible says we don't engage in this type of activity. But see, they can't say that when it comes to voting or serving in the military. They will get in trouble. Now, what makes this so interesting, Daniel, is that for Jehovah's Witnesses, especially those who grew up as kids in this religion, it's an interesting thing when you compare to what they tell adults to do if it involves the society. It's very important to understand that the society often takes positions based on who is going to be impacted, whether you as an individual or whether the organization. JT, this is outstanding insight, and I hope our viewers are appreciating what's being said. Why do Jehovah's Witnesses vilify the vote? We talked about why, we've talked about what, we've now talked about how, JT, I think it's time to wrap up this video. Any additional ads or subtracts that would be important for our folks to hear and know? Yes. Uh, let me give you just an example. One of the most interesting things about uh, voting, the Watchtower often gives instructions that are situational, and as a result, it becomes contradictory. For example, the Watchtower talks about a sister who has an unbelieving mate who demands that she go and vote. Now, typically when Jehovah's Witnesses are told to do something that violates God's law, they're told to take their stand and to make the declaration, I obey God as ruler rather than men. But it's not what they did. You see, instead, the Watchtower tells her, go on down to the voting booth, go on down to the high school, the gym or whatever, and get in line, go on through the line, come up to the little registration table and head on over to the booth and then pretend like you have voted and come out. But that's an interesting scenario. It's an interesting set of instructions. You see, for anybody who grew up as a Jehovah's Witness kid, we were never allowed to give the impression, to give the appearance when they were serving the birthday cake 
We were not allowed to pretend as if we were going to eat the cake by saying, well, I'm full now. I'll take this home and I'll eat it after my dinner when I get home. No, 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 no. As a young Jehovah's Witness, you were told to take your stand and let your classmates and your teachers and your principals know, I don't do this. Well, you see, in that particular case, you are going to take the blowback. And we had to take that hit. The society didn't care. And so, once again, we see how the society has all kinds of inconsistencies in what they do and the instructions that they tell. Think about this. The Watchtower sent a letter to all bodies of elders telling them what to do with people who vote. I want to share this letter with you. The Watchtower sent a letter to the body of elders here in the United States dated March 24th. 2000, with instructions on what to do with those who use their individual choice. Notice what it says. Dear brothers, in reporting cases where individuals have disassociated themselves by engaging in non-neutral activities, the following directions should be followed. The implication of their actions should be reported in harmony with scriptural guidelines. Therefore, when completing the S-77 form, please use such expressions as violated neutrality or took a non-neutral course. And then they go on to tell them, other expressions should not be used. Oh, JT, that letter is a bombshell. Yeah, yeah, it shows how, once again, the Watchtower plays with words. You see, they call it non-neutral activities. Well, of course, if someone sees this, well, what's non-neutral? What, what is that? See, the Watchtower is not going to put up there because she voted. And they're going to put it there because he went to the army. They're going to say non-neutral, non-neutral. So the Watchtower likes to play the semantic games with governments and people who don't understand the teachings and, more importantly, the culture. Those are two of the most important things that a person needs to understand when it comes to Jehovah's Witnesses. JT, I've said it a couple of times here, there's a fine line between faith and folly. And if you're watching this video, the question is, have you crossed the line? JT, why did JWs vilify the vote? We've covered it from A to Z. This is Daniel. This is JT. This is Toasted Alton and the Chocolate Thunder. The basic black attack is back. It's good to be with you again, JT. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. This program was sponsored by Critical Thinkers.